Christian persecution is increasing in our nation, and much of the church seems to be intent on avoiding it by changing their doctrines to conform with the demands of society. In short, the church is getting in bed with the world. This gross apostasy is prophesied in the Bible as a sign of the end times. Stay tuned for an interview with an expert on Christian apostasy. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My co-host Nathan Jones and I have one of our favorite Bible teachers today. That is Jeff Kenley from Arkansas. Jeff was with us just a few weeks ago and has come back today to step into another arena of Bible prophecy. Jeff, welcome back to Christ in Prophecy. Thanks, Sam. Good to be here. Jeff, so good to have you on again, Absolutely. sir. You're one of our favorite guests. Thank Tell you. us a little about the prophecy prose first, and then let's get into your book. It's called The Coming Apostasy. You wrote it with Dr. Mark Hitchcock. And uh, I have a follow-up question to that. Okay. First. Yeah, the prophecy prose is Todd Hampson, another author, illustrator, and myself coming together, and we're basically attempting to reach the next generation with the good oh, news and hope Lord. of Bible prophecy. Well, I think one of the things I did not mention in today's bio mm -hmm. is you have expertise even in this arena because you were a student pastor for many years, and you know how to connect to young people. You were sharing with me how at one point they were knocking on your door mm -hmm. saying, please continue yeah. devotionals and discipleship, mm -hmm. pouring into young believers' lives. So, I appreciate yeah. you continuing that ministry. Thank you. I, I, I do believe, and, I, and I've seen it's true over several decades, that young people are a lot more interested in the truth than we're willing to give it to them. Wow. And it's funny, you have to be around a number of years before you realize how far we've fallen into apostasy. So, apostasy is the topic of this episode of Christ and Prophecy. And you wrote this back in 2017, the coming apostasy. We're now four years later. Would you still say it's the coming apostasy or have we already reached it? I think we're well down the road, Nathan, uh, okay. right now. We've seen when we wrote this book, some of the things we even referenced in the book have even been exacerbated since then. So, we're really seeing an expansion of apostasy in our day. And how would you define apostasy first? Yeah. So, if someone's confused about it. Yeah, that. absolutely. Well, the word comes from 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. Uh, the word simply means to literally to stand apart from something. In other words, something that you were once next to or close to, now you're standing away from it. Uh, that's why it's called the falling away or the, the departing from the faith, that type of thing. So, it's a leaving of the faith. When someone was once close, now they're far away. So, they were doctrinally sound Christians yeah. and now they've abandoned biblical Christianity right. and adopted something. Else. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, within the church itself, I mean, the title of our program today, Apostasy in the Church, how big a problem is this? I mean, is it an individual Christian problem or is it a corporate problem where churches are drifting and at an accelerating rate, would you say, in today's day and age? No, I agree. I, I think it's more of a, of a corporate thing, more of a global thing, actually, uh, because people in churches are really opting for expediency. Because what's happened is we, we've seen a huge decrease in church attendance, specifically in America. So, that sends many pastors into panic mode saying, 
we've got to do whatever it takes to get people into this building. Instead of going out and being salt and light, what the Bible tells us to do, yeah. because there's not a single verse in the Bible that tells a non-Christian to come to church, but there are lots of verses yes. that tell Christians to go out into the world. We've got it backwards. We think that there's an event that we put on on Sunday mornings. We've got to make it so exciting, so entertaining, so interesting that we'll get people drawn in. So what's happened is, is we've, as you said in the, in the beginning, we begin to compromise some of the values and scriptural truths that we see in the Bible, those doctrinal truths, in order for the expediency of getting people in the building. Well, I've wow. noticed too in church services, when, when just as I got older and I realized that we've shifted from being Bible-based and faith-based mm -hmm. to being what they call seeker-sensitive. And right. I mean, we're all seeking unbelievers to come yeah. to Christ, but it's like we turned our church service as a equipping, edifying, and sending organization right. to send Christians out to let's go to a one-on-one level, invite non-believers in and hope they get saved, and yeah. it rarely ever happens. And it seems like since we've adopted the seeker-sensitive movement, we've drifted away from mainstream Christianity. Would you agree? I would agree. And, and let's be honest, I mean, we love technology. We use technology. Yeah. It's a great tool. Uh, but as one pastor recently said, many churches today are nothing more than a light and rock show followed by a TED Talk. It's something really to just motivate people for their daily life kind of thing, when the Bible is much deeper than that. The Bible equips us, it gives us everything we need for life and for godliness, Peter wrote. And pastors are opting for entertainment more instead of equipping the saints for the work of service. And what's the result of that? We're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I've known pastors who thought they could not preach if the PowerPoint failed or if the <laughs> technology went dark. And I've said, you know what, for many years the church had no technology. The Word of God was proclaimed just yeah. from pulpits all across the land. Well, mm -hmm. I love your second chapter. Mm -hmm. I think you said that it was written by your co-author, mm -hmm. uh, Mark Hitchcock, mm -hmm. when it talked about a fifth column. Yeah. And that harkens back to 1939 mm -hmm. when one of the Spanish generals, General mm -hmm. Mola, was going to march on uh, Madrid. He had four columns mm -hmm. of troops and he was asked, what's the secret to your campaign? Yeah. He said, it's the fifth column which mm -hmm. is already in place. In other words, they were these rebel sympathizers right. who were going to uh, mm -hmm. create sabotage and do things within yeah. the capital even before he marched in. And you make a very strong point that we have a fifth column, people who are sympathizing with apostasy and with leading the church astray right. that are working right within our midst. Explain how you come to that conclusion. Yeah, what's happened is, is we have adopted the world's values and we think in order to reach the world we have to adopt the world's values. Now I'm not talking about, again, technology and the way you dress and things like that. I'm talking really about the world's values. So what's happened is, is that people within churches have, have really begun to redefine the whole mission of the church. What is the church? What are we here for? And people think it's just to get people to come to the building, but it's to make disciples. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the whole command that Jesus gave us in the Great Commission. So what happens is, is as we begin to compromise and chip away at, at really the structural foundation of what the church is really all about, we begin changing our very DNA, Tim. Mm. And uh, I think as my, my co-author says, Mark Hitchcock says, not so much about the ants on the outside, it's about the termites on the inside. So we're eating away at the core foundations of the Christian faith from within. And that's what we see happening. And I think that seems to be accelerating of late, even with the mm. sexual revolution. We have some whole denominations who are embracing uh, gender yeah. dysphoria, embracing the, the homosexual marriage right. uh, movement, and thinking that they're going to be sensitive to people in the world, but really right. they're abandoning the core values yeah. of the Christian faith and no longer pointing people to Jesus Christ. Right. We're accommodating people instead of 
preaching the gospel. And Christ asked us to preach the gospel with love, of course, but to never compromise on that truth. You know, when I, when I travel, I've been to the Philippines many times, I've been to China and England. What I see over there is in some places the church is actually thriving without all the trappings that we have here today. They've realized that really what we need is the fervent love of God and the Word of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what church is all about. And if we're just salt and light out in the world, and we have that, that aroma to sometimes of death to people, sometimes of life, but if we simply are the church out in the world, that's how people are really reached. But here in America, we tend to think that we have to put on the show to get people in to make it happen. Well, you wow. spoke about personal testimony of doing just that mm. uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas, yeah. where you established a church mm -hmm. to disciple people. And you've got a very uh, eclectic group of folks mm -hmm. who had not necessarily been exposed to the truth of the gospel, yeah. but they were hungry yeah. for the truths that you were revealing, just taking them to the Word of God and speaking the truth from Scripture. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't really think we have to make the Bible interesting. It's very very interesting yeah, on its certainly. own. Filled with stories. I, I mean, there's so much. Everything yeah. that is that is fascinating to mankind is found in the Scripture. All we have to do is is to be good at communicating it. And right. if we're good communicators, and we we marry that with love and real relationships, people are going to respond to that. And that's what I found in my own personal experience, not only in student ministry, but also in this Gen X church that I that I pastored for ten years, is that people respond if they know that you really love them. You can tell them the truth. Now, they may not always respond positively to it, but most of the time they do. Right. Well, Jeff, wasn't this all prophesied? I mean, you get into Revelation 3, the final phase of the church age yeah. is the church of Laodicea. Mm. It believes it's rich, but spiritually it's yes. poor. To me, that's an indicator of the end times church. Would you agree? I, I would. We think that sometimes activity in some of those churches in Revelation 2 and 3 had a lot of activity, mm -hmm. but no life. You think you're alive, but you're really dead. Mm. And so, really, the measure of a church, of a congregation, is not how many activities we have, what do we do during the week. It's what is the spirit of that church and what is really being communicated. And it was prophesied in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, Paul talks about the apostasy will come uh, before the day of the Lord. And I think we're, we're seeing really the, the fervency of that happen right now as we're beginning to chip away at the foundations of the doctrines and really the pillars of the faith itself. You had a great quote from Billy Graham who one time was uh, criticized because a critic said he was going to set the church back mm. 50 years. Yeah. He said, well, I failed then <laughs> because my goal is to set the church back 2,000 years. Yeah. In other words, to yeah. its very foundations and mm. go back to that core message. Mm. Obviously, there are some today who call themselves evangelicals and are pursuing what they have labeled a new reformation, mm -hmm. uh, and even proclaiming there are many routes to God. What is right. this so-called new revelation? or new reformation. Yeah. And what about this idea of other paths to God? Yeah. What's happening is, is we think we have to redefine what the church is. And I remember one famous mega pastor uh, at one point, he said on Oprah, in fact, he said that we have to stop appealing to 2000 year old letters uh, to get our truth. Wow. And, uh, and you've been, you've seen lots of that, you know, some of these pastors that are waffling on, on things like abortion and on absolute truth and things like that. So, what we've seen, Tim, is people coming into the church, they're leading the church now, and they're leading people really away from Christ. You know, we talk about don't take Christ out of Christmas. They're taking Christ out of Christianity wow. itself and redefining even who the person of Jesus Christ is so that He can be more appealing to a fallen mind. I remember around year 2000, that's when the emergent church movement mm -hmm. began. And you don't hear about it much anymore because it's now the church, right. it's the apostate church. Yeah. 
But it seemed to be that's mm -hmm. the case, that this yeah. driving idea that, well, church doesn't work for some reason mm -hmm. and we need to reinvent it. It almost sounds like how we're treating our nation today. Oh, yeah. it doesn't work even though it's worked successfully. Right. We need to reinvent it. Right. Why this desire to reinvent Christianity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we think that the bigger we are, the more godly we are. That the more people we attract, the more God is pleased with us. Uh, Jesus discipled 12 men. And as Charles Spurgeon famously said, uh, 12 men is enough to be accountable for on the Day of Judgment. <laughs> uh, we think that it has to be huge, has to be massive, has to be you know, phenomenal. But if we just focus in on the purity of the Gospel, and that's exactly what Paul warned the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians. He said, I fear that you may be strayed away from the simplicity and purity of the Gospel. Well, I think you touched on the fact that Jude, even in his mm. epistle, uh, recognized that he wanted to write about certain things, but already early in the church, uh, believers were drifting away right. from the truth. And he said, I have to readdress things because you're already drifting and you need to contend earnestly for the faith. Yeah. I find it interesting in our day and age, so much is about marketing. And so a lot of products are, are proclaiming themselves to be new and improved. And you find, well, they're really not that new and they're definitely not improved. And the church the Lord called us to be a part of, right. the gospel that He called us to proclaim is nothing to be improved upon. It right. is what needs to be proclaimed as the truth yeah. of Scripture. Just ask Coca-Cola. <laughs> with, with their new formula, people just went in upright, upright rebellion. Yeah, you think about it, when, when Jesus wrote to the church in Ephesus and He said, um, you know, you've left your first love, what did He tell them to do? He says, remember, repent, and return. Return. Return to what? Return to that purity of the faith. There's nothing wrong with the original formula of Christianity. No, nothing not. wrong with what Jesus Christ did. It was good then, it's still good today. And that's what Jesus has prescribed for the church, which is, as Paul said to Timothy, the pillar and support of the truth. We are the truth tellers of this generation. Amen and amen. Well, folks, we're going to take a brief break. And when we return, we're going to look at something that Jeff and his co-author, Mark Hitchcock, have identified as a watershed moment for the church. Here at Lamb & Lion Ministries we have several outstanding Bible prophecy speakers who are available to preach and teach at churches and conferences. Let me take a moment to introduce them to you. First, there is Colonel Tim Moore, our Associate Evangelist and my designated successor. Then there is Nathan Jones, our Internet Evangelist and my co-host on this program. We also have two outstanding Assistant Evangelists who serve the ministry part-time. One is Dr. Patrick Oliver, who is Director of the Criminal Justice Program at Cedarville University in Ohio. He is also the former Police Chief of Cleveland, Ohio. Our other Assistant Evangelist is Pastor Vic Batista of Florida. Vic can preach in either English or Spanish. We are a faith ministry, so we charge no fees for our services. We just expect the host group to cover all expenses and provide a love offering for our ministry. You can find more detailed information about each of these Bible prophecy speakers on our website at lamblion.com. Give us a call. Welcome back to our interview with Jeff Kinley, the prolific author of the book titled The Coming Apostasy. He wrote with Dr. Mark Hitchcock. Hey Jeff, on chapter 7 it says, The Watershed Moment for the Church. Can you tell us, uh, I don't want to give it your book away, but I think for the topic uh, it would be good to know what is the watershed moment for the church? Yeah, I think we identified that as the, the June 2015 decision about homosexual marriage okay. uh, represented really a, a, a hinge point 
uh, in our history as a nation, uh, but also for the church, because it gave the church an opportunity to begin to address this issue. Uh, unfortunately, instead of uh, standing up for what Scripture says, many churches have just simply taken their cues from these worldly decisions out there and forgotten that it's God who determines who we are, not the Supreme Court. Uh, the reason why it's such a watershed decision is because it's, it's like a tsunami of values that is coming into our country right now. And the church has a choice to stand up like a Daniel or a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for such a time as this, like Esther, or to simply assimilate into culture, which is what many churches have done. In fact, this past week I received a letter uh, from an elderly uh, pastor uh, who is in a, a certain denominational church, and he says, we had to take a vote this week whether or not we're going to leave our denomination over this very issue. Mm. And the reason why I think it's so critical, men, is because this issue uh, essentially redefines not just uh, marriage, but morality and even mankind itself. Uh, if you were Satan and you really wanted to mess with mankind, you would teach us or try to influence us to, to not even know who we are or what we are. And that's not just the Obergefell decision. That is the current uh, fixation with gender dysphoria yeah. and, and transgenderism, people abandoning the very DNA that yeah. defines who they are and what their creator has, uh, right. has declared yeah. and saying, well, I'll make up my own gender. I'll just be my own person. Talk yeah. about personal autonomy run amok. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean. If gender is a malleable concept, in other words, we can just think ourselves into one of the unlimited numbers of genders that are now out there, uh, then, then literally we don't know who we are because there's no objective truth to tell us you're male or you're female. There's no biology or science anymore, which is what the world appeals to, except in this case. Um, and so what happens is, is that we become a whole planet full of confused people. Mm. Well, that's exactly where mm. Satan wants us, because he's going to bring in now his solution is that well, as long as you serve yourself, that's truth, that's righteousness. Be your own God. Yeah, and we right. have uh, pop culture figures that are basically promoting that each and every day. Absolutely. Doesn't it seem then that the root of apostasy is an abandonment of truth? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. And, and this is why truth is so critical, Nathan, because if you think about it, God made the human brain. He made the human mind. He created truth to interact with the mind. That's where it begins, not with our emotions or with our feelings, it begins with the mind. That's why I wrote the scripture, so that we could engage with our mind, it would transform our hearts and our whole lives would be changed. But when you take away that fundamental beginning step where truth is no longer objective and it's no longer applicable or, or even, you know, uh, authoritative in our lives, what happens? You have to think of some other thing to appeal to, and the only other thing you have is yourself. And so mm -hmm. that's where we are. And the Bible compares it to shifting sand. That's right, yeah. yeah. Certainly. I think the world obviously is going to come more and more against those who are willing to stand yeah. on the truth, the rock of God's Word, and declare us to be totally beyond the pale. And we are right. going to have increased persecution. I love one mm -hmm. statement that you made in your book in particular where a person in another context was saying, well, in order to work, in order to have a livelihood, in order to live, I must do certain things, I must compromise. Yeah. And the question was returned back to them, who says you have to live? Right. Wow, that is mm. really, yeah. that mm. hits you between the eyes yeah. because in generations past, Christians went to, to the guillotine, they went to right. the stake, they were burned, they were persecuted mm -hmm. to the, the death of many multitudes of martyrs because they said, I cannot compromise and I will stand on the truth of Christ. And boy, that, that's a, a challenge to us in this modern era. Who says that you even have to live if you're promised life eternal? Are you going to stand for Christ? Or are you going to compromise with everything the world is proclaiming? That's so true, Tim. I believe that we are in 
uh, a stage right now where we're witnessing a massive cultural shift. Uh, it's, it's come in stages, but right now Christians are, are having to, to really have a, a huge gut check as to what do I believe? What defines me as a Christian? Is a Christian just something that someone who believes in Jesus, you know, as a concept or whatever? Or does this Jesus, Jesus have some sort of authority over my life? You know, people will say things like, well, I don't, I don't like theology. I just love Jesus. And my response is, which Jesus yeah. do you love? It's the Jesus yeah. that's described in the scripture. Yeah, you give a, a list of different Jesus. Is it the hipster Jesus? Is it the equality Jesus? Yeah. The patriotic Jesus? Yeah. Or one of your own making? Right. I mean, which version of Jesus? Or do you yeah. go to the Jesus of scripture? The, the Son of God and the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if he is Lord of lords, is he Lord of your life? Right. Or are you just uh, kind of nebulous in your mm -hmm. affinity for him? Well, that's like when we teach Bible prophecy here, we bring up the fact that God judges. He judges sin. And we'll get people right in and say, not my Jesus. My right. Jesus would never. And you dedicate a whole chapter to that subject, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, he's not my Jesus. He's yeah. Jesus. That I don't, I get on board his agenda. I don't ask him to get on board my agenda, mm. and that's what we're seeing right now. I mean, we have been so blessed in this country. We've had culture to have our back. We've even had government to have our back for so many years. But now culture and government are beginning to turn us, turn on us. So Christians are going to have to make some really tough decisions. Denominations, churches, pastors, and individual Christians are going to have to say, "What do I really believe, and what's it going to cost me to be a disciple?" I love the quote you have on page 64 and 65, and I think we've used it before with William Booth, who founded the Salvation Army. And he had a prophetic word. He predicted that by the end of the 20th century, and we are just past that point, he said that the church in America would be preaching Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, and heaven without hell. And certainly we have arrived at that moment. You don't hear those topics in most churches. Uh, repentance, regeneration, hell, yeah. That's not very seeker sensitive. So, no, have we not. gotten to that point? Well, we have. And, and Paul also prophesied that in, in 1 Timothy, he says, There will come a time, the Spirit says explicitly, where some will fall away from the faith. And then later, of course, he wrote to Timothy, as you recall, when he says, The time will come when they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires to tickle, to their, tickle ears. their ears. Yes. In other words, give them what they want. Make them feel good about themselves. Let them have their best life right now, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what we're seeing right now. And, and, you know, it sounds good. It sounds nice. sounds loving. It sounds tolerant. But all these are Christian values that Satan is hijacking, redefining for his own purposes, and then putting a Christian label on, on the top I of it. I think John MacArthur said, if, uh, if you're convinced in the scope of eternity that you can have your best life now, you probably are. That's right. This is as good as it's going <laughs> to get because you are yeah. not pursuing yeah. the truth that will lead to eternal yeah. life uh, with the Lord God. Well, what other danger signs should be, we be watching for in the church? Mm -hmm. An individual believer who wants to be faithful, wants to be a faithful member and disciple uh, others and be discipled themselves, yeah. what warning signs should they be looking for and how can we guard against apostasy? Yeah. I think the biggest sign is what's happening in the pulpit. And I say pulpit, that's sort of an old-fashioned term. But what's happening up front on Sunday mornings? What is the pastor actually preaching? What's he leading you to? Is he actually giving you just good thoughts for the week, kind of like a horoscope or a devotional? Or is he really equipping you in the Word? Are people, do people have Bibles in their hands anymore at your church? Are people getting into the Word? Is he teaching you to be a self-feeder? Because I believe, gentlemen, that the greatest need in the church today is biblical discernment. Oh, yes. uh, Christians today are much like my kids when they were small. 
And the characteristic of young children is they'll put anything in their mouth, mm. they'll touch anything, they'll walk anywhere, they have no idea what's going on. But when you grow and mature, you learn what the dangers are out there, you learn how to feed yourself. And so that's what we need in the church today. We need biblical discernment, it begins with pastoral leadership. Wow, you know, you just uh, reminded me, I have two grandsons so far. Uh, one is three, the other is one year old. And the three year old has been trained not to leave anything laying around because he knows his brother is going to pick it up yeah. and put it in his mouth. And he'll say, oh, that's a choking hazard. Right. And he'll remove it. And yet, we live in a society that there are choking hazards all around and undiscerning people are just putting everything into their mouth, filling their minds. And we as Christians have to be discerning. And sometimes in a church setting, we have to be very careful to guard against choking hazards right. for those around us who may not yet have the kind of discernment that they need to gain as they are discipled. That's absolutely true. And you know, according to George Barna, only 19% of Christians read their Bibles every day. 18% wow. never read them at all. And some 20% read them once a week. So with that sort of biblical literacy, you talk about a pandemic, that's what we're experiencing right now. With that kind of illiteracy, is it any wonder that Christians are just putting whatever philosophy and values into their mouth and taking their cues once again from the world? And isn't it ironic that we live in a time period with so much education at our fingertips? You know, you don't have to go to the church to read the one Bible that's chained yeah. at the pulpit. <laughs> We've got Bibles yeah. and apps and stuff, but it seems like we're now a mile wide yeah. and an inch deep. How yeah. can we... How can we combat that? Yeah. Well, we combat that by getting back to the Word, and it begins again with leadership. Okay. Uh, it's, I don't think it's going to happen just on its own. There ha there's always been leaders in the church to lead them. There's always been reformers. There's always been people yeah. to lead revivals. And that begins with, with books that you write, with shows like this that you produce, with podcasts that you do. We've got to get the message out to people and help them know that there is another way, a deeper way, a better way to live the Christian life. Well, Excellent. I love uh, one reference that you make in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Paul has warned about those mm -hmm. who would stray from the yes. truth. And then he goes and he says to Timothy, uh, he says, but you. In other words, mm -hmm. regardless of what everyone else is doing, wherever they're going astray, he says, you need to do these things. But you need to live as I have taught you and, and as you have learned and have been convicted throughout your life. So we would say, regardless of what the world is doing, those who are watching today, but you need to heed the words of Scripture and stay grounded to the rock lest you cast yourself adrift in a sea of confusion and oblivion. Absolutely. And as we see the signs of the times converging together that tells us we are living in the last days. And as 2020 was a heck of a year, 2021 <laughs> Might not be better, who knows, but we all know we are, we're still leading that direction. And so, therefore, Christians have to be grounded, built their lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And as long as we have breath, we must contend earnestly yes. for the truth once for all, handed down yes. from the saints to us Amen. and handed to a next generation. Yes. I love your message that resonates even in the heart of young people, millennials. And so, if you know the truth, share it with those who are around you each and every day. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy, folks. I hope you pick up The Coming Apostasy on all the major bookstores. Uh, how can, Jeff, people connect with your podcast, the Prophecy Pros Podcast? Yeah, go to prophecyprospodcast.com. Uh, Todd Hampson and I are helping the next generation connect with Bible prophecy and have hope and confidence in these post-Christian times. Well, Jeff, I want to thank you for being with us today. And I would say to all those watching today, but you need to contend earnestly for the faith that's been handed down to us. Well, folks, that's our program for today. I hope it has been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing you will be back with us next week. Until then, this is Tim Moore speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, 
Godspeed. Two of the most outstanding Bible prophecy experts in America today, Jeff Kinley and Mark Hitchcock, have teamed up to produce a sobering book about the raging apostasy that exists in the church today. The book is titled The Coming Apostasy, but they quickly point out that it has already arrived and is rapidly corrupting even those who claim to be evangelicals. They subtitled the book Exposing the Sabotage of Christianity from Within, and the book lives up to that challenge. In one hard-hitting chapter after another, they reveal the off-the-wall apostate doctrine of demons that are corrupting the church from within, such as the blasphemous teaching that there are many different roads to God. In the process, they provide an overview of the many biblical prophecies which proclaim that the church will be filled with heresy and apostasy in the end times. And they emphasize that the fulfillment of those prophecies before our very eyes today is proof positive that we are living in the season of the Lord's return. This is a book that every Bible-believing Christian needs to read so that we can be on guard against the deceptive doctrines of Satan that so often appear to be beautiful concepts, like the tolerance of sinful activities in the name of love and tolerance. The book is 200 pages long and is written in down-earth language that anyone can understand. It could be yours for a donation of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. To order, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 